Hello and welcome to Missing Pieces. Good afternoon. I hope all is well with each and every one of you that's out there listening to my voice today. Today is a new day, a new opportunity, a new chance, a new grace, new mercy, new everything. Today is just another day that you can get things right, that you can make a decision on where you want to go in life. I want to talk about something that came up uh, last week uh, during a conversation with a few colleagues of mine. Um, We were, well, let me rephrase that. She was complaining about her job and she was very unhappy. And I just listened because I couldn't give her anything to say. And so as she continued to talk, I began to reflect on the moment that my mentor told me to read this uh, a particular book. And this book helped me figure out what it is I am to do in life. And so the name of that book is Soulcraft. And it was written by Bill Plotkin. So I said, you know, why am I reading that book? But I read it. And so as she was talking and complaining, I just went back and I reflected and I rediscovered the difference between survival work versus sacred work. And I'm going to share this personal story with you because it helped me to discover what it is I am to do in in my life. And during this uh, this podcast, I'm going to give you six tips that can help you along this discovery. Um, Like I said, the name of the book is called Soulcraft, and it's written by Bill Plotkins. And what's so good about this book is because it helped me, and I know it can help you if you're in this situation trying to figure out what it is that you're supposed to be doing, but it'll help you on your journey and help you to figure out your soul discovery. Let me give you a brief synopsis of the book. It's about a Native American teacher who said that each of us have a survival dance and a sacred dance. The survival dance is to be considered um, what we do for a living, what is necessary for our develop, uh, how do I want to say it? Your develop, uh, your developmental step. I don't know why this word was just giving me help, but anyway, your survival dance is going to teach you how to support yourselves physically, emotionally, and economically. 
your survival dance, it can be a paid job, it could be raising children, it could be any task that you take on once you leave your parents' home and you begin supporting yourselves, which is basically helping us to grow up into adulthood. The author also goes on to say that once you have established your survival dance, then you can discover your sacred dance. And that's when you do the work you've been born to do. You know, this could be totally unrelated to your job. It could be whatever it is. It It's something that sparks you up, something that makes you come alive. And you may or you may not get paid for doing it, but it's something that makes you smile. That's your sacred dance. And you know what? I love this idea because it's so easy to self-flagellate when you know you aren't doing what you were meant to do. And you're trying to figure out just what it is that you need to do. And this idea, in a sense, your survival dance is the foundation of your sacred dance. That's what the author says about what the Native American teacher said. And if you think about it, as a Native American, and I have Indian blood in me, my great-great-grandmother was a Cherokee on my mother's side. And so when you think about it, Indians always have different types of dances. They have a war dance, they have a survival dance, and they have a sacred dance. The war dance is when they came out of, uh, out of battle or they're getting ready to go to battle. Survival dance is when they're pleading with the gods to give them rain, give them the necessary elements that they need to uh, uh, build their crops and so that their cattle can live. And then the sacred dance is what's important to them. It's their heritage. It's who they are. And so I took that book and I kept it because not only did it help me, it made me aware of who it is and what it is I'm supposed to do. And what I'm doing now is my sacred work. And I enjoy that. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to run away from your life or quit your job or leave your family so that you can discover what it is that you need to do. You can start following the clues right where you are. Um, if, if you have to do these things, then that's up to you. But let me do a disclaimer. I'm not telling you to do that, okay? I don't want you to go back and tell your wife or your partner or your mom or your dad 
that you heard on Mrs. Pieces that you need to leave your job and leave your family so that you can figure out what it is. No, don't get me caught up in that. So after I read the book, and this was years ago, I volunteer with a reentry group here in my area. I was ready and I was geared up. And so by me volunteering, I would attend education week at the prisons, at the local prisons here. And I found it to be exciting because I was helping men and women to figure out what it is that they need to do in life once they get out. And so one of the facilitators came up to me and she said, I'm going to sign you up for a 10-week training class called Thinking for Change. Um, Thinking for Change is a cognitive behavioral curriculum, and it was developed by the National Institute of Corrections, and it concentrates on changing the criminal minds of offenders. And so after completing that uh, training, I was able to facilitate a group. And that 10-week training was intense. It was five days a week for 10 weeks. And we did role plays and we did everything that you could imagine to emulate the mind of an offender. And so after that, I was given the opportunity to teach my and facilitate my first class. And I did this at one of the local parole office. And I had a group of eight people and we gelled. We did. It was awesome. I had to make the right choices even when some of those choices were pressured or some of the clients felt like they were going to go back to the streets because in the midst of the training class, you also had to find employment and they couldn't find it because of their criminal record. So we came up with an idea that we gave each employer $5,000 incentive so that they can hire our parolees and it worked. And so each of the men and women in my group, it was a group of us of eight, we um, we met every Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for six weeks, and everyone graduated. And I had to get a grip, and I had to make this a safe place for each one of them. I had to facilitate and process and participated in some of the conversations. But when I did this, I was a little bit transparent, but not so much so. 
but I wanted them to talk. I wanted them to be able to share. I wanted them to grow. I wanted them to release that pressure. And they were feeling release. They were feeling free. It was like they were thinking differently. Instead of doing this, they did that. They chose to make the right decisions, even though their economic status and where they lived, it was uh, uh, tempting. And so they stayed the course, they graduated, and they got jobs, and they moved. And to this day, they are still successful. They are living their best life, as they would tell me. They have moved from the bad neighborhood, and they're living in a nice, decent, middle-class neighborhood. And they're getting on with their lives. But it wasn't easy for them. It, it, it wasn't. And so by me creating a safe place for them and me using my experience with sociology and human services and mental health and criminal justice, I was able to intertwine all of that together. And I realized that was my sacred work. I knew as soon as I started doing that, this is what I was born to do. I had created a vibe facilitating an honest process so that men and women could discover who they really were. And you know what? It required, uh, required all of me. I had to use my intuition and, my, uh, and energy, sensing with the ability to make it safe for each and every one of them to be fully themselves. Even when I feared of being vulnerable, I had to be creative and come up with exercises and questions that gave them insight. I had to try things out and constantly I had to be creative. I had to be in optimal functioning mood because I was always challenged. And I had to be competent not to overly think. It was very challenging. And sometimes it uh, resulted in anxiety. But at the end of the day, guess what? I was in my zone. And it, now, let's talk about my survival work. And as I'm giving you this little history of myself, I hope that you're able to see yourself, the difference of your survival work and your sacred work. Now, my survival job is working in higher education, and I am helping people. I'm helping students. You know, I'm, I'm helping them in the admissions process and the enrollment process and you know, establishing their domiciliary qualifications. And I'm doing all of that. And 
I train work-study students, and sometimes I train colleagues in a particular task. And the list, you know, it goes on and on. But I find myself sometimes being caught up in the bureaucracy of office politics, you know, struggling to keep students enrolled while making money. Now, I enjoy my job, but I rarely find myself in a zone. This survival work, it pays my bills. It allowed me to take courses and learn. And it also helped me to develop my confidence as a leader. But I was never fully me in that job. I'm still working there. I'm still doing my survival dance. But my survival dance was the foundation to my sacred dance, my sacred work, what I'm doing now, what I love to do, mentoring others, counseling others, encouraging others, helping people to find that missing piece of the puzzle so that they can uh, uh, utilize their gifts. And now I want you to find your sacred work. Your sacred work is a vision. It's your insight. It's that internal instincts that you have when you do something that is rewarding or do something that you love to do because you find pleasure in doing it, whether you get paid for it or not. That's your sacred work. And you have to be able to balance the sacred work with your survival work. It is very important because the both of them go hand in hand. And it's important that you determine what it is. You, you've always had in the back of your psyche, man, there's something else I got to be doing. There's something else I need to be doing. What is it? And it could be cooking. It could be catering. It could be sewing. It could be creating. It could be painting. It could be anything. It could be whatever it is that you love to do because God has given each and every one of us a gift. And I keep saying that in all of my podcasts because I want you to recognize that you have a gift and it's lying dormant. It's time to let it sprout up. It's time to take that gift out of the cocoon, out of the cocoon. What is going on with my words today? I don't know. But it's time to take it out of the cocoon and let it birth into a butterfly. Your sacred work is what you find enjoyment. It's where you find your peace. Even while you're doing it. It's like you're scribbling and you're, you're smiling and you're happy and you're jumping and you're skipping all over the place. It's where you find your sacred, your peace. And then it was something else. 
my mentor had me do. She, she used to ask me some crazy questions. And you know what? I find myself doing that to my clients, so please forgive me. She asked me one day several years ago, she said, do you meditate? And I told her, yeah, I do. I, I, I do meditate. So she said, do you do it daily, once a day, twice a day, every day? And I say, I normally do it maybe twice a week, if that. And so she says, when you're preparing to do it, how do you feel? I said, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing it. She said, I have taken meditation and I've made it like it's a chore. Like it's something I have to do. It is necessary for me to do that. So she said, well, when you're in meditation, what do you do? I said, once I'm sitting and I'm preparing myself and I do my mantras and I could sense all of the day being released from my body and my mind is in a peaceful state, I said, then I go into worship. She said, worship? And I said, yeah, I, I go into worship. I find myself in the heavenlies with Christ. I said, because I have a relationship with Christ, he allows me to tap in to the heavenlies. And anybody can have a relationship with God. It's when you put the time in. And it's a lot of time to put in so that you're in worship and God immediately takes you there. And I said, I do that because the word of God says, thou shalt not have no other God before me. And I'm not going to let meditation be my God because it's not. I like the process of it. I like the process of how it takes me into the mantras and I go into that zone. But then once I'm in that zone, I'm, I'm worshiping. And she said, that's what survival work or dance and sacred dance or work is. The survival is putting down the foundation of where you're going into the sacred. She said, my meditation mantras, mantras, is the survival. It's like I'm doing it because uh, I got to do it, you know, it's a chore. So I'm doing it because of, but then once I'm in that zone, and then I take it into the level of being sacred, and that's what the difference of each one of them are, but yet they are knitted together. So I'm going to give you, you know, six tips to know about your sacred work and your survival work. The first one is follow your goosebumps. <laughs> we always get those. Do the things that light you up, that give you energy. Forget about listening to your thinking mind because, folks, we do overthink. 
Listen to your body's signals. Listen to your goosebumps. Sometimes you may realize that following those goosebumps would lead you to your sacred work. It led me to mine's. What's yours? Number two, you don't have to make your sacred work into your survival work. I'm not doing that. And you don't have to do it either. You just need to find a way to start doing your sacred work. The rest is going to unfold. Keep your day job. Stay in your marriage. Just do your sacred work too, whatever that is. Number three, stop thinking about how to make money doing your sacred work. It's going to come. If it's meant to, it's going to come because you're doing the sacred work. You're doing something that gives you peace. You're doing your vision. You're doing your dream. Your sacred work is your dream. It's your vision. It is what you are destined to do. The only thing you need to do is decide how to discover it and then decide to do it. And it is, it, it's not going to come in a package like your job did, but you're going to need to focus on it and maybe one day you'll get paid for it. It is completely different. It's like you are creating something and it's like you don't de- need to do much practice because the bottom line is, it's your hidden genius. Your sacred work is your hidden genius. It's what you were destined to do. And as soon as you start doing it, you're going to see how beautiful and inspiring it is. Number four, don't worry about how long it takes. I am not worried about how long it's going to take for me to reach that 100 people listening to my podcast. I'm not even going to worry about it because who is listening is who it's for. And I'm finding joy doing this because this is part of my sacred work. The moment you commit to doing your sacred work in whatever form it is, you're going to feel a sense of peace. You're going to get that niggling feeling that something is off in your life and it'll go away. But you're going to look back in your journals and you're going to realize that you kept your sacred work alive in your heart for all these years. And now you're finding a way to do it. Number five, your sacred work is the work that feels like play. And that is going to use all of your unique genius thoughts. And it's going to give you a sense of peace and rightness. What I mean by that is, you know and you don't know how you know that (laughs) this is what you were born to do. The best part of it is when you start doing your sacred work, it feels like life has finally begun. And no matter what your 
other things that you're doing, uh, uh, the other accomplishments that you have had in your life, nothing is going to compare to this. Number six, I want you to love your sacred work. It gives you time and the resources to personally and emotionally grow, to discover what lights you up, to practice and gain confidence in your ability to do your sacred work. And that's what it has done for me, this podcast. It's allowing me to practice and it's given me the confidence and the ability to move forward. I feel peaceful at the end of each podcast because number one, I've been obedient unto Christ. And number two, I find joy in helping somebody else. And you may decide that maybe, just maybe, your sacred work may never be a paid job. And it may be. But always know that you've made the right decisions that makes you feel right for you. So the sacred dance and the survival dance, they all go hand in hand. Now, whether you find pleasure in your survival dance because you like doing that, kudos to you. I'm happy for you. But if you feel like you need more and this ain't it, and you trying to find out what that it is, find your sacred dance. And I guarantee you that when you find your sacred work, you're going to feel truly alive. You're going to feel like none other. It's like an, it, it's like an experience that it's, it's, it's almost like a freedom. And it's, it's rewarding. It's like a connection. It's like daily prayer. It's like meditation. It's like a spiritual practice. And you can have your spiritual, your sacred work, excuse me, will bring about meaning and purpose to your life. And it's going to align your work with what brings you meaning and purpose. And my sacred work is helping women and men claim their hidden and disowned gifts so that they can shine their light in a world that needs us. The world needs you. The world needs your gift. The world needs your sacred work. There is, this world consists of billions of people. And there's enough of us to go around maybe hundreds of times and you still won't touch as many people as they are in this world. The world needs you. 
The world needs your gift. The world needs your sacred work. They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you to rise up and shine. They're waiting on you to live your life and pay it forward. If somebody has done something for you, like paid your bill, put gas in your car, gave you food to eat, bought you some clothes, treated you out to dinner, did this, did that, do it for someone else. Pay it forward. That could be a part of sacred work. Working in human services, some people work in human services because they say they like helping people, but then it switches from helping people to a survival. They become um, monotone and they lose their sense of humility because sometimes they go home and they feel like they didn't help anybody because there's so many politics in it that they don't have the freedom to do what needs to be done because their hands are ties and that you know they got to go about the laws of, of of the office and the rule book but when you do your sacred work you have your own rule book now i'm not going to say you're going to go out here and do harm to someone but you have your own rule book i read an article by Daniel Skolnick. It's called Sacred Work. <laughs> I love reading. Every time I do a podcast, I'm going to do some research because I'm going to know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I talk about life experience. Sometimes I talk about what I've learned in the classroom, what I've learned in life. And then sometimes I read from other people's articles and I take those articles and I dissect it so that you can understand it better. Daniel Skolnick, his article on sacred work, he says, not everyone actualizes their sacred work. The barriers to living the life your soul is asking you to live may be financial or social. But most often, I believe it's a matter of deafness or of fear. Can you hear what that small, still voice within you is telling you to do? When you hear it, are you brave enough to heed to it? We don't choose our sacred work. We don't choose our gifts or much, much less our wounds. We don't choose what makes us feel alive or what makes us ring with purpose. But each and every day, we choose whether to walk in line with the nature of our circumstances or deny them. I believe we emerge from the world like a wave from the ocean, each heading for some far shore. Our life's calling is to reach that shore. 
our sacred work takes us further still. I love that. That's deep. Our sacred work takes us further still. And our life's calling is to reach that shore. Our life calling is to help someone else because the world needs you. Whether we walk in line with nature or our circumstances or deny them, that's your survival. Are you busy surviving and not doing your sacred dance? I believe we emerge from the world like a wave from the ocean, each heading for some far shore. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope that it has blessed you. I hope that you can glean from this and lean into it and find your sacred work and do your sacred dance. Please subscribe to my podcast wherever you are listening. It will be greatly appreciated. Until next week, do your sacred and survival dance. Peace out.